Excuse me for a second here, Donna. Bob, good to see you. Okay, you're on. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Well, I um, most of my messages are a little bit different from the other guys because they're really good at exegeting scripture, and I don't tend to do that very well. But um, I have looked around and saw who we are. I've listened to what people have said, and I've listened to the Lord. And I want to talk a little bit this morning about call and purpose. Um, I think the the thing we went through with Suki at a prayer meeting and just her being called out to be um, um, a minister in a new in a new area for her and to step out in in ministering to these other Korean wives uh, uh, just really uh, alerted something uh, that I was already thinking about and then uh, I don't know if you remember Pat stood up a, a week or so after that and just gave this real impassioned plea to like um i've really just been waiting to get out of here but now i realize um (laughs) there are things yet to be done and and she says i've known what i was supposed to do in the past but i want to know what the next thing is and then she kind of also called the church to that and so out of those two things i've really just been uh, meditating about that and want to kind of Try to give a like a, a bigger picture of what God's call is, and and some of the purposes that lie behind that. So, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter twenty-five, um, the middle part of the chapter. I don't know if any of you remember. Long, long time ago, um, actually, Bill gave a message on the last part of that chapter uh, about when all the the. The sheeps and goats were gathered before the throne. We're going to be looking at the parable before that um, this morning. So if you'll turn in your Bibles and uh, read along with me, I'm just going to read this particular parable about the talents. For it, it is it refers back to verse 1, the kingdom of heaven, okay? For the kingdom of heaven... It's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one, he gave five talents, to another, two, and to another, one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received five talents went and traded with them. And he gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. You, in, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. 
The one also who had received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and went away, and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him, and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have, shall be taken away. And cast out that worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Are you encouraged or not encouraged? (laughs) So here we have a parable. Jesus trying to uh, give us an illustration of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so we have um, a master. He calls his slaves. He gives each one of them talents. Each according to their ability. Immediately, two of them go out and trade, and they gain more. But one went away and hid his and buried it in the ground. Well, the man came back after a while to settle accounts. The two who traded, went immediately away and traded, they presented their return. Each was commended as good and faithful. Each were regarded to have been faithful with a few things. Even though one was given five and one was given two, they were both commended with being faithful with a few things. And so each were given many things. Each were, each were told they could enter into the master's joy. One hid his talent, and he came up, and he basically gave an excuse. Basically blaming the master. Hey, you were harsh. You reap where you don't sow. Uh, you're kind of unfair, really. You gave one five and one two, and you gave me one. So here it is. Here, I'm giving it back to you. So he wasn't commended. He was called wicked and lazy. And what he had was just taken away from him and given to the one who had a lot. And he was cast into outer darkness. This is a picture of the kingdom of heaven. 
So, what's the lesson here? You lose what you don't use. The one who uses what he has gains more. But the one who doesn't use what he has, eventually it's taken away. And so, this this is, is in a parable. It's not an allegory. So you can't start trying to fit little things in there. A parable is, is an earthly story that Jesus told to uh, ha- that has hidden inside of it a spiritual truth. Um, and so he used this story to tell us about a kingdom, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, depending on which book you want to look through uh, in the Gospels. Um, how it operates. It's a kingdom that's not of this world, but operates in this world. But, you know, Jesus gave a number of parables, especially in Matthew. I mean, if you start back like in chapter 18 and look at these these kind of, the kingdom of heaven, he tries to tell us how it's governed and how it operates. And so he gives a lots of different stories and parables and examples of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Um, and we're going to—I'm just going to briefly mention some of these because it serves as the backdrop for what what I want to talk about this morning. He talks about in Matthew 18 about the kingdom of of, of heaven operates like this. You, you know, you got to be kind of childlike first if you're going to even see it. You got to be childlike. You got to be teachable. You got to be trusting. Uh, there's got to be a measure of humility there. Uh, once you do see it, if you want to be great, if you want to be great, then learn to become a servant to others. And if you want to be the greatest, become a slave. That's what it said. That's what the Bible tells us about this unseen kingdom of heaven and how it works here in the midst of us um matthew 18 the latter part there's about there's a a story about this unmerciful slave you know the landowner again one of his slaves comes to him owes him a huge amount of money that he's never going to be able to pay him back and he says just have mercy on me give me more time i'll pay it back and the landowner landowner has come back. He looks down, he sees, this is impossible. This guy's never going to be able to do this. And there's compassion wells up in his heart. And he says, you know what? You're just forgiven. You don't have to pay it back. That same slave goes out, finds somebody that owes him just a little bit and throws him in prison because he cannot pay him. And so the master, when he found out about it, the Bible says he was moved with anger called the guy back and threw him in jail. So there's something else that operates in the kingdom of heaven. There's, there's this thing called compassion and there's this thing called mercy that operates along with humility and, and having a servant heart. If you keep on reading, coming through Matthew here, there's another parable about the kingdom of heaven, about the laborers in the vineyard. You know, so... The boss goes out, he hires this guy, these guys in the morning and says, come work for me today. We'll work for you. Yeah, how much? This much. Then he goes out about lunchtime and hires some more. We'll work for you. How much will you work for? This much. Okay, come work for me. Goes out right before it's time to quit. These other guys, they come and work. They all get paid the same thing. Now what happens? That's not fair. 
the people that worked all day. They said, that's not fair. And um, this is a really telling question that, that the master asks. He says, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye gen- envious because I am generous? There's another thing about the kingdom of heaven. There is no place for envy in the kingdom of heaven. There's no the, the, the word used here is the same word that's used in the Sermon on the Mount for it, if your eye is bad. In other words, if you can't see the generosity of God and let God be generous to whom he wants to be generous or merciful to who he wants to be merciful, there's not going to be kind of room for there's no room for that kind of thought and attitude in the kingdom of heaven. You keep reading. Then there's the slighted marriage feast. There's going to be a marriage. You're invited. You're invited. You're invited, Raul. You're invited to the marriage feast. But you know, some people said, look, I can't come. You know, I'm busy. You know, I got livestock to take care of. My my dad's sick and he needs help. Or, You know, I got a business to run. Well... And then they mistreated the people that in, that invited him. Well, again, he's moved to anger. He says, just go out and invite everybody. Just go out in the highways and hedges. I don't care who it is. It says the good and the evil. Invite them all. So he invites them. They all come in. He comes up to these people and says, hey, you don't have on the right clothes. Where's your wedding garment? Look, you just invited us in. We're just coming in. They had no answer. So what does that tell us about the kingdom of heaven? There's this wedding garment. There's this clothes you've got to have on, but you don't have time. I mean, you're just invited. It's a robe of righteousness. That's what you're, that's what you're dressed in, you know, in the kingdom of heaven. It's not the latest label of whatever. It's the robe of righteousness that we that we wear. The next one that talks about it talks about just you're given stuff to take care of, but you know the master's going to be gone. I mean, he's on the other side of the earth. I've got plenty of time. I'm just going to take it easy. But then he comes back unexpectedly. And, and, and the verse talks about being a faithful and a sensible servant with his master's possessions. And then we come to the, the parable about all these are trying to give us a picture of what the kingdom of heaven looks like here, this unseen thing that we are trying to walk in. Then there's a parable about the ten virgins. So what's that all about? Well, they're watching and they're waiting. They all got drowsy. They all fell asleep. But when the call came, five of them were ready. Five of them were prepared. They had oil. The others had a light, but they didn't have any oil. They didn't have, they didn't have the relationship and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so they were invited in. The others, God said, I don't know y'all. I don't know you. Then we come to this particular parable. So we've got all these things that build up to this parable. 
So we have this one about the, the virgins, and it's all about waiting and watching and maintaining that relationship that we have with, with, with the Lord. And then we have this one that we just read about um, being given talents. And what, what in the world is that all about? So one is about watching and waiting. This one's about working. Okay? And this is when, when we talk about call and purpose, this is pretty much what we all talk about. What am I supposed to be doing? Because we are all human doings in America. Instead of being human becomings, which is what God's trying to make us. So, um, what I want to do is look at this whole parable and try to draw some some truths out of it about calling for us. But to understand how the the parable of the talents works, we got to understand the bigger picture of calling because there is first a primary call that comes to each one of us. God says, "Come." So it's God who calls us, and he calls us not to do, but he calls us to himself. And he calls us to himself for himself. And so the primary call is the call to God. It's like the destination and the goal is God himself. And so... Everything else is about the journey. The destination is sure. And so, it's all about the journey. And so, the first call is by God, to God, for God. The second call, are the so that's a primary call. The second call is really not so much a call, what we like to call calling, what we're, what we're about, but more a response to the first call. But we call it a calling, um, and basically, it's are we going to are we going to respond to the come? Are we going to heed? Jesus says, "Follow me." He says, "Follow me." So that's what I want to look at out of this particular parable today. Is, is this whole aspect of responding to the primary call, uh, which is fleshed out in this secondary call of following him and so let's look at this particular parable and see kind of what we can get from that and so uh, there are four things i think that we can can draw from this about calling first of all calling means service it's interesting if you look at all these parables there's nothing about sons and daughters it's all about laborers and slaves and servants all these pictures god gives us are uh, have an illustration of this kind of person. And, I, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. I'm called into a relationship as a son. You know, and the son has rights, and a daughter has rights. And, and then, I, then I, you know, you, you think through that, well, how do, how do I balance that with these, these, <laughs> these particular examples that Jesus is giving? And then, all of a sudden, it struck me, well, Jesus said, follow me. Jesus was a son, the son of God. But he came not to be served, but to serve. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. He, he came to teach and to give an example of who God is. God is one who gives. He is 
totally fulfilled in himself. He is an abundance of everything. And so out of that fullness, there's nothing that he needs. He is there to give. And so I said, okay, if I'm going to follow Jesus, he's a son. He came not to be served, but to serve. Okay, that's I can do that with his strength. And I can do that. So understanding that it's really not about me. You know, yes, he's made a way for me to be saved. He's made a way for me and you to have a relationship with him. But you know, it really isn't about us. But our culture says it is. Our advertising says it is. Buy this, get this, do this, go there, experience this, because, you know, it'll make you an individual. We all have this cry to feel special and unique. And we all are. We are all unique. But if that's all we focus on, then that calling that God has because of our uniqueness, our way of reflecting who He is through who He's made us to be different from anybody else, if we totally focus on that, that calling becomes conceited. We see everything with just with our, with our own eyes and through our own self, rather than seeing it through the un- invisible one's eyes, who's called us to serve other people. And so, we need to understand that it's not about us. Yes, He loves us enough to come. He loves us enough to make us different from anybody else. But for the purpose for that is that only you can reflect the glory of God like he wants you to. Um, so that's one thing that we get out of this is in all these parables, they were laborers, slaves and servants. So if you're going to respond to the call, if we're going to follow Jesus, it has to be a, a life of of service that we see. The other thing, obviously, is calling involves stewardship. Um, these these guys were given talents. They were given something, and so there was a time when they need to make an accounting for that. So there's a stewardship aspect of calling that we all need to understand. And so a part of that is understanding what are the talents that he's given you. And talents talents are basically made up of a, a number of different things. It's gifts, it's your resources, and it's your sphere of influence. Each of us are given those things. Um, we like to think that we made it ourselves. Um, you know... That was one of the cautions uh, back in Deuteronomy when when the people were going to enter into the land. You know, God said Moses told the people through the Lord told the people through Moses, um, be careful that when you get there, you don't think that you've gained all this wealth yourselves. And the Bible says, I'm the one who's given you the power to earn wealth. You recognize that scripture, and so. Um, what we've been given by God, even in, our, in the possessions that we have, it's his power that's given us the ability to get that. Um, so, but some of the gifts are, are just God-given. It's like, what are you good at? What, 
what do you just what's just easy for you to do? What are you gifted in? Those things that just come naturally easy for you. Somebody else may struggle with it, but for you, you're just good at this. Just comes that way for you. Um, some and sometimes people can't figure out what that is. Well, I don't know what I'm good at, but some of the ways you can find that out because you you've got to find out what you're naturally naturally gifted at. What did you like doing when you were six or eight, ten years old? What did you enjoy doing? What did you like to do that you lost track of time? Um, and if you can't figure that out, ask somebody that's, that you trust, that no, has known you for a while. Um, I have a hard time remembering that far back. but <laughs> um, Take a test. We, we gave the kids in Crossway, we got a test called um, uh, Strength Finders uh, a while back. And it doesn't identify a strength. It actually identifies giftings. The strength comes when you work on developing that. So it's a little bit of a misnomer, but it's a marketing thing, I think, the reason they call it strength finders. But you got to find out what you're good at, okay? That's one of the things that he's given you. Um, then you have to look at what your resources are. Some of, we all come from different kind of families. Some families are really strong in certain areas, um, you, how you've been brought up. Some families have big, big circles of influence. Some families have a whole lot more opportunities, you know, because of who they are. You, you've been born into that. So there's a resource there. Uh, there's a resource of being born in America. America is one of those countries that says, we can figure out a way to do this. You know, a lot of places they don't have that kind of mentality. But you've been given that, you know, through, through this culture. You, you, some other countries, it's like, well, I don't know. We, we've never thought about it that way. Or, no, no, we, we, don't, we don't try things in outside of the way it's always been done. You've been given that, you know, as the way that you, you've grown up. And then, and then your education. Some people have an opportunity to have more education than others. That education is not always just book education. Um, you know, some people, they have life skills that are built. That's how they get their ed education. I was telling somebody at our family reunion yesterday, we were talking about this, and my best friend in college is uh, grew up on a farm. Well, I graduated from NC State, and I had zero experience in the field I was going in. He graduated from NC State, going back home to work in the farm, and he already had like 12 years experience. And he just knew so many things already. And so, what, what, how, where are you with your education in, 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 in that situation? And then obviously, your spheres of influence. You have some. You know, it may be small, it may be big, it may be five talents worth of, but it, and it may just be two talents worth of spheres of influence. But those are those are your talents. Those are the things that you've got. You've got gifts, you've got resources, and you've got uh, a sphere of influence. And so, our job is to be a steward of those things that we've got. Okay, does that, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so. If we're to be a steward, there's another thing that hap needs to happen then. Um, calling also means entrepreneurialism. In other words, 
Are you willing to take a risk with what he's given you? I mean, these guys, it says immediately they went out. In the, there's a similar parable in Luke that says, go and trade. But the interesting thing here is, in both cases, the master went away. He's not sitting there, ah, ah, you didn't, not that way. And he's not a micromanager. He says, here they are. Okay, what are you going to do with them? You and I, we gotta go out, we gotta go out there and figure it out. Some people are a lot more entrepreneurial than others. They're more of a risk taker than other people are. That's okay. You know, that's okay. Um uh, it was interesting, this just popped on linked up on LinkedIn this week while I was getting ready for this. I'm gonna read this about this was a LinkedIn article about what an entrepreneur is. It says and, and you guys, as I read this, you can kind of translate this over into, into the, the spiritual side and the, and the, and the side that we, we really home in on is, is, is building up the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're about. Okay, so here it is. Start out with a customer problem. What's that problem for us? We're all sinful, right? Start out with a customer problem. And a product that solves it. Well, what would that be? <laughs> Bill, what would that be? Yeah, I mean, you don't talk about it very much, but you know what we're talking about, don't you? <laughs> Get some capital. All right? Make the product. Well, well that, that's kind of interesting because it's like the kid with the, the, the two fish and the, and the five loaves. You don't have to make the product. God says, here it is. Here it is. It's already done. Just take it and use it. You know, so that's why God calls it a commission. You know, it's not just a mission you're on by yourself. It's a commission. So here's what you need. So there's a problem. Figure out a product. Here, here's the answer for it. Market it. Win customers. Someday you'll wake up and realize that you've become a guy who took a risk. Started a business. Actually, we're called into a business. And made money. Well, you're an entrepreneur. This other definition here about entrepreneurialism says, it's necessarily not motivated by a profit, but a regard as a standard for measuring achievement and success. I like that much better. And that's what's really reflected in this particular parable. So, the, what is the, what is like the greatest entrepreneurial spirit there is? What do you think that would be? What do you think it would look like? If I just say like Hebrews 11, would that give you an idea? Faith. Faith. It talks about these guys that were, they risked everything for something over the horizon that they never saw. They never saw the return, but they were willing to risk their life for something that they believed in. That's an entrepreneur. It was going to return a profit, but maybe not in their lifetime. So, we've got to figure out a way to multiply our gifts, use our resources for the betterment of the people around us. They're not just for us. You know, but I think I've been in this place sometimes, and I know you know people are in this place. Well, I'm just kind of waiting, you know, I'm kind of waiting to 
hear what the call is, you know. Um, but, you know, that's kind of like putting the, everything in a napkin and sticking it in the ground. You know, we can't wait. You, you, even if you don't know, you've got to use your best guess with where you are, who you think you are, and move out and take a risk. So, God calls us to himself. And then there are these themes about calling that I want to also talk about for just a minute. Um, so what does it look like? Well, it looks like this. You know, if, you, if you're in America and you meet somebody, you know, after at least no more than three sentences, is, well, what do you do? What do you do? We don't ask who you are. What do you do? Because we identify who we are by what we do. But the key about calling is do who you are. In other words, that's why you need to find out who we are. Well, it's like, that's kind of interesting because, you know, a part of us has been redeemed and a part of us has been sanctified, but there's a part of us that has not been. And it's that part of our heart that's deceptively wicked and we really don't, want to go there and find out who we are. We think we might know who we are, both good and bad, but we really don't know who we are. You know, it, it, I, I'm reminded of this. Um, it's the verse in um, 1 Corinthians 13. It says, Now we look in a, in a mirror or a glass dimly. If you look at the alternate translation for that, it says, Now we look into a, we look into a riddle. But then we will see we will know fully, even as we have been fully known. So there's somebody that knows who you are. And who do you think that person is? The one who made you. And so, that's, spend time with God. Here's who I think I am. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Help me here, God. Help me understand who I am you made me and then and, and, and so go to the Lord don't go to a bunch of opinion polls that's how we that's how America is governed these days <laughs> by people whose hearts deceptively wicked <laughs> you know well how many of you think we ought to do it this way and, and there, there's no standard except the standard of the number of people that agree and so we go to God, we figure out, we, we, you know, you spend, have to spend time with God. You know, it's not all about, I don't like this about you. I don't like this about you. I want to change this about you. There are things, if you will wait before God, He will say, I'm delighted in this. I'm delighted in how you've responded this way. I'm delighted how you've grown in this particular area. We're so geared toward what's wrong with us. A lot of times we won't even let the Lord tell us what He's delighted about with us. Go find out who you are and who He's wanting you to become. That's the risk part. To become who He wants you to become, we have to take a risk. We have to take a risk and step out there. Um, So, the other thing about calling, it is for everyone... Everywhere, 
with everything. You know, it's uh, that doesn't mean it's for everyone. But it's everyone in your spheres of influence. Everyone that you come in contact. He doesn't doesn't call Camille, even though she travels all over the world. Your job is the world. That's a little bit much, even for Camille. (laughs) But he does call that everything we are, all our being, everything we do, all our actions, and everything we have, all our, our possessions, are focused in those things to everyone, in everything, everywhere. I mean, that's all-encompassing. It's not like, oh, wow, this guy, he's a missionary, so his calling is so much more important. No, it's not. It's not more important. And that's one of the great things about the Reformation and about Martin Luther. He just he just blew that concept apart, you know, uh, and he and the other guys that really begin to understand calling is that, you know, whatever you're called to, you do it to the glory of God. And it's even for us today, a lot of times we're like, wow, look, they, they're, always, they're always about the Father's business because they're always in a, leading a Bible study or they're going here or they're going there. And then somebody else is, they're just faithful going to work. They go to work. They get a paycheck. But you can be light and salt there. And that's what he's called us to do. And that person will get the same well done. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. And lastly, we've all heard this a thousand times, but I'm going to say it one more time. Calling involves living before the audience of one. Just does. You know, don't get hung up on how wealthy you are or how poor you are. You know, don't get hung up on um, whether you're well-known and famous or whether you're just this nobody. Don't get hung up on whether you're leaving this great legacy. What all you are living for is a well-done from one person. And all he's looking for is faithfulness. What have you done with what I've given you? You know, I, 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 I told I, two, two of my life principles for my kids, little ones that you can understand when you're seven, eight, or nine years old is don't compare yourself to others. <coughs> Develop an attitude of gratitude. Don't compare yourself to others. Use what God's given you and do with it Take a risk and do with it what you can do. That's what he's called us to, you know. And so there are some stumbling blocks for, for all of us. One of them's unbelief. One of them is this envious eye, you know. Uh, are, we, are we envious because God, of God's generosity to somebody else? And then one of them is what we sang about on page 44. I've been hiding, afraid to let you down. Have you been hiding because you're afraid to let him down? You think he's not merciful? He's unforgiving? He's harsh? He gets stuff even when he doesn't work for it. Do you see God that way? It will stop you in your tracks from taking a risk. 
if you hear God's voice and he says do something and you get out there and in your eyes it's an utter failure, do you think he's going to come down on you or he's going to say, you tried, you, 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 tried, you obeyed. And the more he sees that we're going to obey, the more he's going to make sure we hear right. Okay? So it's a matter of just stepping out there, you know. It says this about David in chapter in, in Acts. It says, David, after he had served the purpose of God in his generation, mm-hmm. fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Would you like that to be said about you? Christina, after serving the purpose of God in your generation, then you fell asleep. Well done. Well done. I'm going to just end with this one um, passage out of Psalms. I've used it before, but um, as relates to this secondary calling that we have, it says this in Psalms 90. Verses 16 and 17. Let your work appear before your servants. Let your work appear before your servants. And your majesty to their children. I know that a lot of people could amen that. And your majesty to your children. That can be your spiritual children. If you're single, your spiritual children. And let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. And do confirm for us the work of our hands. And yes, confirm the work of our hands. The alternate translation for confirm is, and yes, give permanence to the work of our hands. We're all called. We're all unique. But we're also called together. And that's a whole other thing. We read the Bible as Americans, as individuals. But there's a corporate calling. As, as, as this church and as, as the body of Christ that we also need to learn to respond to. And so that's another day. But uh, let's just have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for who you've made each one of us to be. And thank you for who you've made this body to be. Lord, help us to see and understand the generation that we live in. That we might serve your purpose. Help us too, Lord, to be willing to step out in faith. Lord, you gave your life and gave ours back to us for a purpose. For your purposes. And and so I pray, Father, um, as you continue to Show us who we are uh, as individuals, the gifts and the resources and the influence that you've laid before us. Lord, help us to to take a risk to maximize those, those things and to use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.